everybody, welcome to episode 12 of Tiff's Monthly Movie Loot. Before we begin, I want to reiterate my thanks to everyone and anyone that has been listening to this podcast. About a week or two ago, we hit 100 downloads, so yay! <laughs> my hosting site, Buzzsprout, gives me an approximate location of my listeners, so I want to give special thanks to whoever is listening in or nearby Mechelen, Flanders in Belgium, in Greater Sudbury, Ontario, in Corvallis, Oregon, and in or nearby Bayamón, Puerto Rico, for being my top four listeners. To them and everyone else, thanks for supporting this crazy project. So let's move on to the loot of the last few weeks. Remember that every month I start with a list of 15 challenges or criteria of the films I want to watch during that month, and each podcast features my thoughts on five or six of those. Let's begin. A film that won either the Palme d'Or or the Grand Prix at Cannes. The Cannes Film Festival usually takes place in May, so I wanted to honor those films that have won any of the top awards, particularly this year where the festival has been definitely postponed. I ended up choosing a rewatch of Taxi Driver. Now, let's get something out of the way quickly that may incur in the wrath of cinephiles everywhere. One of my biggest film hot takes is that I generally don't care about Scorsese's films. I mean, I respect and admire the man, but I just don't connect with his films. I often enjoy them, but they just don't stick with me. With some notable exceptions, one of which is Taxi Driver, which I've always held as one of my favorites of his. However, it had been a while since I last saw it, so thanks to my Twitter friend Brian Clarkson for suggesting it. When he mentioned it, I really didn't hesitate. The film follows Travis Bickle, played by Robert De Niro, a troubled loner that spends his days driving his cab around town. When he isn't working, he's visiting pornographic theaters or alone in his apartment. As he witnesses what he sees as the decay of the city and people in general, Bickle becomes more unhinged while planning to do something about it. Bickle is a man that thinks he knows what to do, but clearly doesn't. He goes from asking advice from a friend for having quote-unquote bad thoughts to boldly proclaiming that his life is pointed in one direction. His actions waver between randomly supporting a political candidate just because he wants to date one of his campaign workers, played by Cyril Shepard, to wanting to assassinate him when she rejects him from criticizing and condemning the moral decay of the city while obliviously participating in it, from murderer to rescuer. Towards the last act, Bickle becomes obsessed with trying to rescue Iris, a teenage prostitute played by Jodie Foster. Uh, he is looking for a path, a way to deal with his troubled mind and perhaps do something good. And maybe in trying to rescue Iris, he rescues himself, or did he? Who knows? Uh, I like how that ambiguity at the end echoes the ambiguity in Bickle's morals, and I like how the film puts both nihilism and determinism together. Uh, Bickle's friend tells him, you got no choice, we're all effed up anyway, while Bickle ends up saying, I never had a choice, my life is pointed in one direction. So I like how it poses the questions, but never really tries to answer them. This is probably my number two favorite Scorsese film below Hugo, and it's worth all the praise. I must see. A film about mothers. This category was obviously because of Mother's Day, and what best film to watch for this category than a film called Mother? This is Bong Joon-ho's fourth feature, and it follows an unnamed mother, played by Kim Hai-ja, that lives alone with Joon Doo-joon, her mentally disabled son, played by Won Bin. When Jun is accused of murdering a teenage girl, his mother sets out to prove his innocence no matter what. 
There is so much to praise here, from the way Bong builds the mystery and intrigue around the murder, to the way he moves the camera and uses both close-ups and distance shots, to how he reveals what truly happened, and the excellent performances from everybody. But special praise goes to Kim, who is phenomenal as the main character. Her portrayal of a distraught mother always keeps you wondering what she'll do next, in a way that feels organic and believable. There is a reveal towards the middle of the film that pretty much upends everything you've thought of the two main characters, mother and son, up to that point, and I think it's the core of the film, showing that perhaps both mother and son are not very different. This one is strongly recommended, I really 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 liked it. And Completely unrelated to the film, but I'd like to take an opportunity uh, because of Mother's Day to say congratulations to my wife. This is her first Mother's Day, so it's a special one. Baby, I love you and I'm proud of you 200%. I run all my episodes by her before publishing, so she'll either love this or hate it. Let's hope for the former. Any film that starts with the letters I or J. Moving on, for this category, I went with 1967's In the Heat of the Night. The film follows Virgil Tips, played by Sidney Poitier, a skilled homicide detective from Philadelphia that ends up stuck in the rural town of Sparta, Mississippi, after visiting his mother. There, he is forced to deal with the racism and bigotry of most people, including police chief Gillespie, played by Rod Steiger, with whom he has worked to solve the murder of an important businessman. This is one I've had on my radar for a while for several reasons. First, it's a Best Picture winner, and second, it stars Poitier, who I really haven't seen much of. The film delivers in almost every aspect. Norman Jewison's direction is tight, the script is pretty good, there is some well-executed intrigue and tension, but the standout is the performance of Poitier, who has a much-needed confidence and swagger for the role. Like a man that is sure of himself, but still feels he has to prove himself to others, and I think that it's true of both the character and the actor. And the way the relationship between him and Gillespie grows feels real and honest without cliches. One can only imagine the waves this film must have sent being released right in the middle of the civil rights movement. I read that both Poitier and Steiger made a point of going to several showings and saying that during the infamous slap scene you could tell who was white and who was black by the audible gasp or the hollers. So there's the matter of its cultural relevance, but the film is pretty good anyway on its own. I'm a bit on the fence about the resolution of the crime. In a way, it's nice that they didn't go the usual way with the big bad villain, but in another way, it feels a bit anticlimactic and lacking a certain punch. Still, a pretty good film and very much worth a watch. A film featuring the media prominently. I chose this category because of World Press Day, which was on May 3, and there are times when a film comes by where you feel like every piece falls perfectly in its place. Direction, script, performances, everything. 1957's Sweet Smell of Success is an example of that. It follows Sidney Falco, played by Tony Curtis, a sleazy and egocentric press agent that finds himself out of luck until powerful columnist J.J. Honsacker, played by Burt Lancaster, asks him to undermine the relationship of his sister with an aspiring musician. Why this film isn't mentioned more often? I don't know, but I thought it was fabulous. An extremely dark and cynical look at New York life that practically oozes lease. All the performances are great, but particularly Curtis and Lancaster, both of them playing against type and both of them are phenomenal. Paired with the snappy and witty dialogue, every interaction and moment with them just sizzles. 
Finally, Alexander McKendrick's direction manages to highlight the apparent facade of glamour from the big city, while also putting the bleakness of the characters that inhabit it up front. From the scheming press to the corrupt police force, every action of the main characters is disreputable, but the pick for me was that scene where Falco pimps a reluctant female friend to another character in exchange for a favor. It's the kind of scene that makes you want to take a shower as it progresses. Not only because of that scene, but for all the reasons mentioned, this is a film that has stuck in my mind since, and one that I feel will stay there. Strongly, strongly recommend it. A film set in space. Space Day is celebrated the first Friday of May, so for this category I went with a rewatch of Georges Méliès' iconic short from 1902, A Trip to the Moon. I'm sure most of you know the plot. A group of scientists plan a trip to the moon. Upon landing, they are attacked by moon creatures, forcing them to return to Earth, where they are received with a parade. It's very short. Everything is done in less than 20 minutes. Now, I've seen this short film several times before, but this time it was special. My older kid has a space coloring book that featured a crude drawing of a cartoonish moon with a rocket in its eye. When he pointed it out to me laughing, I knew I would find a way to make them see the real thing. Sure, the quality of the version I found wasn't the best, but I still was surprised by how much they enjoyed it. Both of them thought the moon landing was hilarious and asked me to rewind it. They also laughed at the moon creatures and the umbrellas that sprang on the moon. As for me, there's not much else to say. I love it. I'm a huge fan of Melier's work, and I think this is a magical short, and it was just as magical to share it with my kids. A film with a bird's name in its title. This one's more of a freebie since I already saw a film for this category, but my wife put it for the kids and I ended up watching it. It is a French-Belgian animated film about an orphan bird, voiced by Seth Green, that ends up being raised by a ladybug, voiced by Yvette Nicole Brown. As a result, he's terrified of leaving the place where they live until he has to reluctantly lead a flock of bluebirds in their migration to Africa. This was a very sweet and cute film, the voice talent, which also includes Danny Glover, Dakota Fanning, and Christine Baranski, among others, is pretty solid. The CGI animation is also beautiful and colorful. The message of conquering your fears and gaining confidence gets a bit muddled with other subplots at some points, but it still works. If you have kids, check it out. So that's it for this episode. This week's loot was another solid one, particularly with Mother and Sweet Smell of Success, both of which were really, really good. As we head out to the last week of May, these are the categories I have pending. A film from the 1001 Movies You Must See Before You Die list, whose ranking includes the number 5. A film from the 1940s. A film about Muslims or Islam. A film set in a country or place you'd like to visit. A film from Norway. As usual, look me up on Twitter or Letterboxd and let me know if you have any suggestion or thoughts on anything from the films I've seen to the podcast itself. I'm at TIFCGT, T-H-I-E-F-C-G-T on Twitter and TIF12 on Letterboxd. Don't forget to like, follow and share the link. Episode 12 of TIF's Monthly Movie Loot is signing out. Have a great week, everybody, and stay safe. Nothing's coming out of your closet to scare you anymore, right? Uh. Goodbye, Boo. Kitty. Kitty has to go.